this fucking shit off. Alright. Uh, we are here. Um, Ray has uh, brought over cheeseburgers for himself. I don't know if he brought me any, but... Bastard. He looked in the bag. He looked in the bag as if there might be some kind of magical thing and... and look, look. Duplicate other... I'm about to tell you how many burgers I have, okay? Don't judge. How many you got? Four. <laughs> you know what? Ray with Ray's hey, physical hey, appearance looks as if you know he should have you know half a dozen cheeseburgers on the regular. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no he's not regular. Fat. He's not fat. He's he's not quite his normal cuts up, but he's pretty. No, pretty no. I've, uh, I'm getting back into it. I'm slowly getting it's back into good. the grind. We're, we're not going to keep talking about our physiques here, but uh, <laughs> why not? We are both uh, sexy. Uh, Weightlifting dudes. I'm getting some kind of weird reverb. Could it possibly be the laptop next to you that's playing sports? <laughs> it might be. So <laughs> Why are we playing sports in the background? Here's why we're playing sports in the background. God, this is really fucking uh -oh. boring. Uh oh, I know where this is headed. Um, hell yes, because the Bearcats, nah, it's still. This is fucked up. So, the reason there's a game plan, um, I um, gave mm -hmm. up my ticket tonight because we're doing this podcast. Oh, you didn't tell me that. And I am a freak for basketball in general, but I'm a big Bearcats fan, and they're playing Memphis. And Memphis has had their number uh, all this season. And so we're fighting our way back. We're only down by seven right now, so uh, I'm watching that. Um, we have the talent to, to for sure to make the tournament. We have the talent and somewhat skill. Our big men, they need to learn how to turn and shoot, and that's, that's pure coaching, um, if you ask me. Like, I think he needs to hire me as a uh, assistant coach to to go through free throw uh, drills and definitely um, teach the big men how to turn and shoot. You hold the ball with two hands instead of one and don't fucking put the ball on the floor. You get the ball, turn around and shoot. But anyway. In other news. They're learning, they're getting better. We have a full moon tonight. No idea what and that means. The worst thing um, that we have to say about sports uh, is the Bengals lost the Super Bowl. It was an incredible game. I can taste Blaze's tears. It was rough. <laughs> it was It was not a rough game. It was a beautiful game. We played well. We played great. They played the line, well, man. The offensive line held up better in the first part of the game yes. than I expected, but then they kind of went back to the Maybe Maybe you'll agree with me on this. because, But like I, I was actually saying earlier before we started recording, I wasn't going to watch the game because, spoiler alert, I don't care about sports. So I don't know how to follow. It's not a big the thing for me. The fucking Super Bowl, right? I don't give a Cincinnati shit. Cincinnati Bengals. I don't give a Fuck, shit. Like, we can see Cincinnati from my window. That's great. Turn your head. I also hate around. Cincinnati. <gasps> You're terrible. Why do you hate Cincinnati? I, I just hate it. I just hate it. You hate the city? Not the maybe. No, I just you know what? I I hate. Hey man, driving I left. Through Cincinnati. I, I no. hate driving through Cincinnati. I used to hate it. 
uh, not hate it, but like not. I wasn't very impressed with our Midwest kind of. Uh, I don't know. There's parts of the Midwest that are phenomenal, like that that kind of courtesy, but it's a real courtesy. I, I feel like I don't sure. th- feel like we're false. You go in the South, uh, a lot of places in North Carolina, and it's like you don't know what the hell. Like if people are being real or genuine or not, and I think most of us here are genuine. But oh no, I wasn't really talking about the people. I'm just talking about the city as an infrastructure. Well, the, well, I will say this: the the um, culture took a long fucking time to grow up. I mean, we definitely, as far as restaurants and food, we have definitely increased our game. Breweries everywhere. That's true. Um, but there's still. Samuel Clemens said, if the end of the world comes, just move to Cincinnati and you'll have 10 more years. I feel like we're still kind of in that realm. Um, still catching up. Yeah. It's like, why aren't there subways? Why don't we have, why can't you ride a bike anywhere the hell you want? Um, but that's that's coming around too. We're getting a little better at that. We have mm. an awesome, the Miami River bike trail, which is like 200 miles of freaking wonderful bike riding um but yeah still and so the Bengals, you know if you listen to sportscasters or announcers you would have acted like you would have thought that the rams you know just crushed us and had the game the entire time and i don't i don't understand this it still pisses me off i said this about the playoffs how they talked about the Bengals. same thing in the uh post super bowl we had the fucking lead all the way up until the last, what, a minute and 30 seconds? Or, like, last two minutes of the game? We were leading, winning the game. That's true. From but in the terms second of, half but in terms all of, the way through. In terms of plays, they got pretty sloppy. Yeah, we did. In terms we, of offensive well, plays, trying well, to, like, what happened maintain. was their defense is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And our that line, <clears throat> you know, played back to its true self and yeah. kind of kind of fell apart. Burroughs is a typical stud. But that, that was anybody's game. And I'll say this. I'm pissed about the penalties. I think it's bullshit. It is true that there was a penalty that we should have received. Um, you talking about the that guys, double penalty they gave him right at the... Well, no, he had the face mask, and we wound up getting a touchdown. And we that, I saw that. should have yeah, been called yeah, back, yeah, but yeah. we got that. But there was like three penalties in the last minute and 30 seconds of the game. Fuck off. They kept giving him first down right at the fucking right. goal line. Like they I gave him opportunity uh, after opportunity after opportunity. And I don't care what anybody says. They have not been calling um, passing interference. You're allowed to put your hand on the body of the dude all season long, all last season, all playoffs. You just can't stop their momentum. Yeah. And that's not what happened. It was bullshit. Yeah. And that, that, that was, you know. Well, and nobody talked. They didn't talk about that. The, all these fucking sportscasters and bullshit shows. You know what? Fuck off if you can't can't be honest about what happened. Again, they acted like it was a given and that the, the Rams were winning this game the in, entire game. And that's uh, not the case. This was anybody's game. It was anybody's game. Well, coming from like, yeah, I mean, I again, I can't delve deep into it because like, I, don't, I know nothing about the sport. I know some about the sport, but... Yeah, yeah, it's about it a normies point. like point of view the way I was saying it. Right after that one sack that Burrow got, the first one, yeah. where I think it kind of like maybe like messed up his knee or something. They thought yeah, it was kind of limping for a second. Yeah, uh, and then he walked it, it off. I think uh, opposite knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it um, may still be an injury. 
It, it, it could very well. It yeah. could very well still be. But to me, after that, it seemed like he got a little skittish. And he a did. little heck, uh, too kind of like brash. And, um, nah, I don't know about that. The, the offensive line fell apart. The offensive line yeah. fell apart. Like they, they yeah. have been most of the season. But Burroughs is a stud. You are my hero. Thank you for the incredible season that you gave us. I love you dearly. I am so thankful. You are a different team because of you, because of Zach Taylor, our new coach, Chase. We have men who don't stop playing, and I love it. And that's enough about sports. Bengals next year. Men. We'll do do Super Bowl. They are men. They were wonderful, incredible men that did not stop. Thank you for the season. All right. (laughs) You wouldn't know this, but... No idea where we are now. Yeah, we're... We're, um... What an intro. We are gonna we're gonna talk about one of my okay. one of my favorite films. Um, That's interesting. I want to know definitely why. one of my favorite actors, um, James Cagney in the 1931 Public Enemy, um, and I, I can just say why right off the bat. Yep. He changed James Cagney single handedly, changed acting and definitely changed mob films, and I would say. Had an influence on noir as well, even though this isn't. This is, yeah, true noir. it wasn't really. It's not true noir, noir, but yeah. and one of the reasons I, I wanted Ray to see this film because I love James Cagney and I felt as if Ray's acting could use this influence of this dude. Um, also, I love James Cagney. He's one of the most humble dudes. Um, he came from a humble background, which we'll talk a little bit about. And uh, he, he single-handedly, he changed how uh, gangsters and, and monster films and how most uh, most of the monster films that you see, the way that the lead mob dude acts is influenced by James Cagney's role in this public enemy. Interesting. It's, it's phenomenal. See, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that. So when I watched it, I was like, to me... It seemed like another just kind of like, oh, yes, there's like old-timey mobster films where everybody kind of was like talking the same and kind of acting what you would think a mobster from the 1930s film would act. But I didn't know he like... All the way up through the 50s. Changed it. Exactly. Or he's the one who began... He's the one kind of like, that influenced it. Yeah, yeah. influence. I don't want to yeah. say trend. That's and stupid. he's far greater than a lot of... Other than Edward uh, G. Robinson, a, a phenomenal actor... Um, in his own right, but uh, everybody emulated or kind of copied him to a, a certain degree, and uh, it, it, it's a badass persona. He's a badass. He, without a doubt, um, grabs the audience's attention by his facial expressions, by his uh, physical appearance, um, by his well, his actions. As a matter of fact. Originally in this film, he was supposed to be kind of the right-hand man of the lead. He was not supposed to be the lead. But they saw how great he was, and they switched it. So um, the other guy who so played the other Matt. dude, uh, Edward Woods, who who I thought was phenomenal in this film. Yeah. He doesn't do too many other films. He, he does uh, act in other films. Well, he's I the one he I told great. you I feel like I've seen him somewhere before. Well, who does he look like? I... I want to say James Dean. 
You got a little bit of James Dean. No. You know really? who he looks like? Kristen Glover. From mm. Back to the Future. He looks yeah. very similar to him. He's got that old-timey look. But anyway. He does. He, does. he, he originally, but, Edward Woods had the lead, and mm-hmm. they switched it because they were so enamored with um, James Cagney. And uh, funny kind of, I mean, you can look this stuff up, I think, but one of the interesting things is in the opening of the film, the dark-haired kid, so there's kids in the beginning who are great actors themselves. I thought the opening was phenomenal. Yeah, I do. Like, shout um, out to, like, the 1930s, like, kid actors. You're doing way better than today. Hell, I mean, it, it's phenomenal. But what's funny is the dark-haired dude was the lead and the light-haired guy, kind of the shorter guy, was the right-hand man to the lead. And uh, James Cagney is blonde-haired, and Edward Woods is, has uh, darker hair. And okay. So they didn't even... They they were supposed to go back and switch those two. Continuity said, error right it. there, yeah. These dudes uh, nailed their parts. We're just going to leave it, and you're just going to have to believe that, you know, as he got older, his hair went blonde or, or vice versa. Well, that's why, like, the very next scene, right after they did the, like, little... I'm going to say, use your word from last week that I learned, vignette, because they had, like, a couple <laughs> of vignettes. Um, when they jump, like, in time, and then they show, like... Edward Woods and James Cagney come in as their characters. I, I was confused by, like, who was who. I was, like, trying to figure it out. I'm like, wait a minute, the kids? Yeah. Yeah, yeah something wasn't end right. And I was like, Because no, of their sense. hair. The that color of their sense. hair. Yeah. So, anyway, that is that is a continuity kind of sort of mistake. I'm reaching over and looking for fries. There are no more fries. Oh, right there's here, not bro. many. Not many. And a little what cold. What a hell of a guy. I got four fries all right, so we should, uh, not should, we don't have to, but we're going to. Yeah, we're going to. Um, I'm going to crumple it up down here so it doesn't catch much of it. Probably caught all of it. You want to talk about the story? I mean, it's like, well, I it's do. a simplistic wanna... story. Like, it's not the world's most, like, complex storytelling. I mean, it. it's the 1930s, so you are confined. I, I want to say they were confined at that time for like in terms of filmmaking but i'll tell you what i like though was you could clearly see which were like the sets that they were using for certain scenes like the smaller more condensed scenes but i also like that they were using like i think i would think so it was like live real live footage of without a doubt the the establishing shots the um, the establishing shots of the city were phenomenal it's some of the best work out there so you got the old uh Model T Fords and yeah. just the old older cars. It's funny because there's a line in it where he talks about a Ford. This ain't a Ford chunk. It's, a, it's, a, it's got a gear in it. It ain't a yeah, it's like Model Ford or something. Part of uh, James Cagney's character is uh, being a badass. He's yelling at a dude that's parking the car. But anyway, yeah, the kind of establishing where we are in New York City. Also, the shots of them riding around in a car. Those were... Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Uh, pretty impressive for that time, 1931. So they're in the, they're, still they're driving able... in the car. They, you got you got full shots, a wide of the entire car. The driver, his right hand man Edward Woods, and and um, James Cagney, uh, and a girl that he picks up her in the back. So well, okay, let's and then so they got so obviously they got another car that's driving right, outside, not, right but next it's smooth. It is really smooth. Well, I was surprised they were able to pick up the dialogue. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, like, holy crap. Like, 
Right. The so they had boom. They had to have booms, skilled to the yeah to the know, boom trucks people. that were like driving the same speed. So that was impressive. But let me start by by talking about you know at the beginning of the movie something that's kind of ridiculous. But I want to talk about this because in the very opening, one cool thing is they show the actors. It's kind of awkward. But they show a full shot of each actor. And oh, is that as they're introducing the beginning credits? Um, yes. Which is kind of awkward. But that, it was fresh. I, I wouldn't mind, I guess, depending on a film scene. Probably not, but but it was kind of cool. But they give a disclaimer. Not a trigger warning. The studio, and they say uh, in the beginning of the film, it is the ambition of the authors of Public Enemy to honestly depict an environment that exists today in certain strata of American life. Rather than glorify the hoodlum or the criminal, that's how they begin it, saying rather than glorifying these hoodlums, you can throw that in the trash from the from first of all the incredible acting of the kids. You know, it shows that they come kind of from the streets, uh, a rough life. So you are, in a sense, you're you're explaining why they turn into what they turn into. But beyond that, the, the, the you know the major part of the film, James Cagney and Edward Woods, I would say, they're so. What's the word? Um, you can't take your eyes off them. They're so enchanting. Enchanting, but that, that's not the right word because oh, yeah. they're playing. They're playing mobsters. Enticing. Right, it's so so enticing, but yeah. it's unique because they're being real. But they're they are also you do feel they're playing on our heartstrings in certain parts. There's there's the mother character and the brother character of mm. the main mobster, and I don't even understand why they would say something like we're not trying to glorify, you know, these are true hoodlums. Well, they actually do kind of explain why someone becomes a hoodlum, and they do make us kind of feel. For these characters, which you could say it's not necessarily glorifying it, but certainly when when you got and the other part of that is just the incredible acting. They're such they're so yeah. good and spellbound. Well, you, you gotta well, you gotta think though, man. That this was made during those like times. Like not, well, I, I'm not sure if 1931 like mobs are still around. Went all the way up till well, now we got new kinds of mob. But yeah, yes, yeah, the, but the mobs. Were, I mean, they were still active in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I I think it was more of a. I mean, I think you I, I think you got it right from the beginning. It's it's like a, it's a PSA. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And at the end, I'm going to read what they at the end, after the film ends, they have this scroll of, the end of Tom Powers is the end of every hoodlum. The public enemy is not a man, nor is it a character. It is a problem that sooner or later we, the public, must solve. And, and I, you know, I get that must solve, but to say all of this is struck down because we do feel the man behind the hoodlum, right? We do know his backstory. We do know the trouble that he went through. So it's it's kind of ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of. I'm going to say kind of on that one because we only got the establishing fact that by by the way, the character that um, James Cagney, the actor, plays is is called um, Tom Powers, and Edward Woods plays uh, Matt Doyle. So if 
if you start hearing like right. these different well, names, I mean, I agree when they say the end of every hoodlum. They're basically saying if you're a hoodlum, this is your end. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to die. I'm not get, giving away anything in the film. I mean, this is a 1931 film. Spoiler: He dies. <laughs> so they're saying that. But to say the public enemy is not a man, I mean. He is a man, and they show that he was a boy first, and they show, you know, the differences between him and his brother, and one of my favorite scenes is when the brother comes back from war, he fought in Germany, and World um, War One. we should yeah, actually yeah, yeah. play that scene, it's so damn good, but um, the, the brother's giving him hell, like, saying, we don't want your money, because he comes in, and he's giving his mom money, and mom still loves him through the entire film, she doesn't, it's not one of those films where she rejects him. And he gives her the money, and the brother uh, throws it back at him. Says, "You don't want this." And he, uh, he, you know, he stands up for himself. He's like, "What's the difference between me doing what I do on the streets and what you did in another country? You killed Germans like with no problem. So what's the what? You know, it's just a different yeah. kind of life. So that's another kind of defending that." You know, he is a man, and in any given circumstance, you might right. be not that. But I, I think they were going for more of the, like the social stigma, rather than like pointing out like, yeah, he is a man, and he is a character that's like. It was very quick and and and, and I would say efficient in the way they established uh, his upbringing. Um, but basically, they he grows up. His father, I think, was a policeman. They established mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they established that his father is like this stern policeman. I don't want to say abusive because there's like a scene where he's like gets yeah, in that yeah. kind of like an argument with his with Matt and then yeah. his Matt's sister and his father like hears everything that they're arguing about to find out that Tom had stolen a pair of skates. And so, you know, he walks back into the house and his father is doing the whole like whipping thing with a belt or something. Yeah. So clearly, but clearly they established that he's already at that age having a um, a falling out with his father. Right. So that's, I mean, really, that's all we kind of really get from his upbringing, and that he like pulls a bunch of like they. There's these scenes where they do nothing but like cause trouble. They run through like the shopping center. No, and, but we like, get more than that. I mean, because it, he's under the influence of the streets, and that that was done pretty well. And that's the right. char- the character. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, tell us the character. Oh no, no, no I was gonna say that you were correct on that yeah but who's the guy that's that they uh steal for and shit that's what i'm i'm, I'm asking you to introduce ah okay okay so like okay so then it's it's uh we uncover that they've been um recruited or they've joined this like quote unquote boys club uh run by this kind of uh i don't know what, what was a thief swindler i would say swindler called putty nose god the name's the yes. nickname's in this movie, man. Putty knows. And basically, he's trained all these, like, young boys uh, in the same situation as, as Tom and, and Matt to basically steal, cheat, and eventually they say kill later on in the movie when they confront him. Uh, and then, he, yeah, he basically trains them to go out there and steal stuff for him so he can fence it off. And Yeah. Did you find that reminiscent of, of another character in film in our film history? In our film history, um, or any film, I mean, it it, it seems like it's been like a, a pl- like a plot line that's been told like after. Yeah, well, it was like, but it was I can't, really I can't reminiscent of specific... Oliver Twist. Oh, okay, right? and, okay. Uh, 
he was the crony that they all came to, and, the, and he would be—he cheated them right a lot. Right. And they show him cheating, cheating the boys. Yeah. Um, in that, in one of the scenes, they bring him a bunch of pocket watches, mm-hmm. and he totally rips them off. And then um, they say, "Wait a second! You said you would give us at least a half a dollar, you know? And it's clearly they're probably worth—I don't know, who knows—thirty bucks." And um, he turns around and doesn't even give him the half hour after they agree to the half hour for, for yeah. uh, these six watches and then he turns it on them and says oh well, you owe me for hanging out in the club like a club fee or yeah, something Member, fee, members fee which, or something which is where you know they get a lot of their influence and these characters that they're hanging around with rub off on them yeah 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 so I and I thought that was I mean, that's pre-Oliver Twist so you know I'm not going to say that that because it's written Charles Dickens but before Oliver Twist was ever filmed there was this film but obviously that's in the novel as a, as a big character not necessarily influenced in any way and that, that character's uh, scarier and more despicable and physically more intimidating than Oliver Twist but anyway so these you know, they show the influences of the kids and what the kids have to deal with on the street and kind of what they're doing to get extra income. The mother who really loves them and they're, you know, from an Irish background. And then we jump from there to... So, yeah, so... Okay, so to establish at the beginning, the very, like, first couple of scenes with the kid actors takes place in the year 1909. And there's a few year jumps throughout the movie. So the very next time, uh, it jumps up to, I believe, 1915. And that, that's when we get the full grown actors, James Cagney and Edward Wood, Woods, come right. in. So at that point, it's six years later. Uh, they're still dealing with uh, Putty Nose and that club and everything. And they were called in. And I guess they, they come in in their school uniforms. And they had like, we assumed, it's implied that they skipped school to to go meet with them. And so they come in, the regular, the boys club that Putty Nose runs. And he had called him in because he had picked up a new, um, new gig or a new job for him. And this time it's, a, uh, he calls it a big. So it's something bigger than they've previously had experience with. And uh, basically it's to steal furs from, yep. a, from a factory. Yep. They go inside, and um, there's a lookout guy, and they're in there. Uh, so Limp, Limp James, Larry. James Cagney's playing Tom Powers, yeah, and Edward Woods is playing Matt Doyle. So they're the ones that go inside, and then one of their kind of kind of somebody else they grew up with that they knew, but that was always hanging out at the club. He's the lookout guy. So they bust in, and they're, they are looking at these furs, and they rip them open, and there's a giant stuffed polar bear. bear. Stuffed polar bear, I believe, and it scares him, and he starts shooting it. And that alerts the the cops, and then the cop, and I thought that was, I thought this was a great scene. You're laughing, but I thought I'm it was, laughing, to man. me it was powerful. I, I thought it was funny. Yeah, the bear was funny, but immediately after, the next emotion is is kind of horror because they're in the building, the cops alerted by gunfire, and the lookout starts running away and the cop starts firing on him and shoots him dead in the street shoots the lookout and all the kids doing is running away i didn't think it was funny i thought it was like horrific and i thought it was really cool now that's the first shot where it's like really noir-ish because you got the dark 
streets, the the angles of the building. Right, right. Black, this is a black and white well, film, obviously. And then, so we know that that is the way that uh, criminals are hand, handled on the street, and the lookout guy is going to get shot. Certainly, they are. So there's impending danger for them, and then they got to get out. And then how he handles it, they go, but they run back to him for help, and they won't even let him in the building. And uh, James Cagney punches the uh, the kind of slot where they look out. He punches through that, and then they take off. And they're that's when they realize that they're kind of on their own, and this guy is yeah. scum. Well, <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is I, I I understand what they're portraying, and imagine like imagine in real life, like yeah, that would be horrible. Like because clearly, like it, it's 1931, the streets are like barely lit. It's Creepy as fuck, I would assume. You're trying to pull all this stuff. In terms of the the the, the filmmaking aspect, I think it was hilarious because they instantly, out of nowhere, the cop just like... There's a lot of scenes in this movie where people just show up out of the woodworks just to like... Uh, no, I disagree because the cops on a beat. So, so that's what happened back there. Back in the time, cops were out on the streets on the beat, and they're in they're at these warehouses and theft theft That's was true. a common I, thing. No, you're Obviously, right. You are right, etc. So I didn't feel like he just appeared. I I was horrified that that kid turns and starts running, and the cop just starts shooting him. And I thought it was I thought cinematically that was a beautiful shot. The camera is angled down like it's higher up it's like on a third story and you see the kid running and you see like these uh kind of interchanged streets and these big warehouse buildings and the kid's running and the cop just turns and freaking blows him away and then uh, then they cut to those two in the <laughs> warehouse and then they they get out on the fire part and then there there's then there's somebody also inside the building and they slide down the, uh, right. the drain yeah, okay, pipe. So, okay, yeah, that's off. that's that's something that doesn't it's weird because like yeah, so the the, the cop shoots the kid uh limp Larry is what they called him and uh he, he runs up to him like um, to the body, and he's like, ah, you thought you could get away from me, didn't you? Or something like that. It, back to the established, I feel like if there was just, like, a moment of, like, maybe him doing his beat, of seeing the cop, like, fair, that he fair, is fair. in the air. Because, like, that's what I'm saying. They never said enough. that there was, like, maybe well, there's I, guards yeah, there or you. something. That's fine. That's what I meant. He just shows up out of nowhere. Of course there would be cops. Of course. Yeah. Like, yeah, so the next thing that happens is he run, starts running after them. Because he, he spots them as well when they slide down right, like a, so, yeah. a drain pipe. That's right. And uh, he starts chasing and shooting after them. And then all of a sudden, there's a quick snippet of like a silhouette of somebody else. We never see the face. It's just a silhouette that opens a door. And uh, he shoots the cop. So somebody like, came out of nowhere and shot the cop. I can only assume putty nose, I guess. maybe. Yeah, for sure. Putty nose. Um, and they don't do a good job of explaining that. It is. I, I'm with you. But it didn't bug me. It wasn't anything that, you know, stopped my, like I said, the horror of the one kid getting shot and then continuing through it. But it didn't make a lot of sense what actually happened. But I, you know, whatever you want to say, suspension of disbelief, I was with them. And I was, again, James Cagney's face is so unique and so expressive. And part of this is, he was a vaudevillian actor. He was in vaudeville. 
for 11 years before he ever showed up on to be a part of a film. So he had that incredible experience. And that's, I'm certain, where the facial expression, you know, he's a stage oh, yeah. actor. Oh, you have to have that. Yeah. yeah. And he has that yeah. ability. But it's not false. You know what I'm saying? And even though he is the, the kind of beginning and the one that influenced so many other mobsters, he's so unique and so different. And his delivery is, I think his timing and his delivery is phenomenal. It is not false. Juxtaposed to a lot of other mobsters say, look here, see, you're going to do what I tell you and you're going to listen. See. And that's not Kanye. And Kanye refused to do shit like that. But his facial expressions, are, you can see he's pissed. He's more angry than he is worried, but he's also worried. And then they're running away. And that's that's when they realize this this dude is, this is shoddy to begin. He's not going to be there to help us. Right. When anything so, goes wrong, he puts us in a situation where we weren't clear of exactly what was going right today. right so they i mean they, they and that yeah they're still established i mean these are like what they were they never give us the age range of when they were like little, the little boys they never give us like the ages that they right. are we can only assume like close to maybe 10 11 and then like six years later they're, they're still like teenagers they're, they're still kids in a, in a sense right so we see this like kind of but in um, this the way scene, they're being, i would say they're like I mean, they got to be like anywhere from seventeen sure. to twenty. Sure, like but I, I feel like they're still playing on this thing where like they're, they're still be considered yep. young. They're still considered naive. Super young. That's yeah. why Putty Nose is still playing them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, when when they get to that um to the back to the clubhouse again, they knock to be let in. The guy at the door says that Putty Nose has been found or something, been found out, and he skipped town. So he's basically run off on them. Yeah, but he, they're like telling him to lay low, and they they give him no help. They don't let him in, and they could right, 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 right. And yeah, yeah. They turn it back Putty's, on them. Putty's like they're they're coming here. Yeah. And then after that, did you want to say more to that or? No, I was just gonna continue okay. with the with the story. And then okay, here this was one of my favorite parts of the film. You can laugh, but the old time brewery and the buckets of beer. Are so freaking cool, and they do. They again, they're showing the city. So before we get to this part, are intermixed. You know, the city workers. There's a guy that's that's got a pole. You know. Oh, that, I thought that was paint, dude. There's that. It's got a pole. No, he's carrying buckets, buckets of beer. Oh, I thought it was. He was like a construction worker with paint. Yeah, that, and they and they the show pole. inter intermixed, like at the bar. They have buckets and they just throw them underneath the yeah, yeah, yeah. the keg and, and they turn them. So people get buckets of beer. And I remember my grandpa, you know, and grandparents always telling us stories about, you know, buckets of beer and shit like that. So it's kind of cool. But they show it. That's they funny. show these parts of the city and parts of like daily life yeah. of, you know, uh, a, I don't want to say blue collar worker shit because they weren't blue collar and they were just, you know, workers and people mm-hmm. on the street trying to make a living and then that brings us to they're in a pub and they're not sure what to do when they're they're drinking a beer and the was he the bartender Patty? yeah yeah so what happens is that oh they uh establish that they get like quote unquote again legitimate jobs and they're like uh truck right. drivers yeah they're, they're uh, like or delivery, delivery boys yeah. for um I, at the time i think they said cigars or something like that they're at a. I don't a, think it's. I think they stole cigars and they were trying to sell them. Well, no, no, no. They said they were like dropping them off somewhere so okay. they know where they be, and um, they can easily gotcha. go and steal them. But they were at the the new pub, uh, or the pub you were just talking about, and um, I think the dude's Patty. 
Yep. His name's Patty. Patty Ryan. He's uh, the bar owner. And uh, they start talking to him about, him about, like, hey, we just, yeah, we just have a bunch of cases of cigars. So we're trying to, like, we can go back. We just drop them off. We can go. We know where they are. We'll go back, steal them. We just need to pawn them off. You know, do you know anybody? Or, like, do you sell cigars? And basically, this establishes the scenes that they now switch over. And Patty kind of recruits them to his. Yeah, but, his, but he recruits them, honestly. It was he cool. does. And he was a first, lot more we don't know that. It. As yeah. an audience, we don't know if this guy's on the up and up. Right. But he does say real shit to them. Whereas Putty, interesting that's Putty and Patty. Uh, Putty would, like, sell them, you know, the world, everything. You know, you're going to be rich, and I'm going to do this, and blah, blah, blah. And this guy's like, no, I'm not taking the cigars. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, why not? And, and Cagney's a badass. Cagney's like, well, why not? And he's like, because I don't sell those cigars. And so if I all of a sudden start selling cigars right. like that, you're just going to lead the cops me. But but he's on the up and up and he tells them. Like he tells them how it is. And that he was my favorite actor other than uh, James Cagney. I didn't know what you – I wanted to get what you thought about. He impressed really? the shit on me. Robert, um, Robert Emmett O'Connor played Patty Ryan. And one of the things I loved about him and – I, I don't we don't know for sure if it's the director or him, but I just got this feeling that it's that dude, his timing. He would he would interrupt other actors. He didn't wait till okay, this person's finished with their line, now it's time for me. And it's something that I think we've kind of lost a little bit. Well that's what of. good actors would do. It's like you right. don't you don't want to wait until Absolutely you don't wait. But that, I'm saying I don't see that as often today, sometimes, yeah. but it's it's more mm-hmm. rare. And definitely of films back then a lot of these mobster films, it's like, well, look here, see, you're going to do what I say. And then he stops. And then the other side, but boss, I don't know what to do. This guy was like, he, at the end of each line mm-hmm. or the end of the last word they were saying, he would cut in with his word. And he would like, you know, that was part of his way of taking charge. But he was, a, I thought he was a incredible actor he was as good as Cagney at least in the delivery of his lines and his ability to portray this character right um yeah no I liked him I also liked um Nails Nathan or uh Nathan Nails you liked him I I I I liked what he was going for I wish we would have seen more there's also the okay. only thing. Hold on. The okay. only, let me let me cut in now because you, right. you brought up right, Nails no. Nathan. Only thing I thought was good about Nails Nathan was his name. <laughs> he was the the quintessential cliched actor. Oh, he sure. was the one that delivered his lines. You know what I mean? And he he uh, he delivered them too loud. He had. I don't think that dude had any nuance. I thought he was like what we think of when we think of kind of crappy mobster films. That dude portrayed that, and that st- the storyline with him too. They didn't do a great job of whatever, and I almost oh, felt oh. like this is what I felt like. They're like, okay, this guy sucks. Let's kill him off because he's only in the film for like. That's what know. I was gonna say. There are so many characters that are like introduced and just forgotten about or killed off off screen. Yeah, he's killed off off uh, off screen, and uh, and it's just like what. <laughs> and I don't mind it if they're killed off off screen because one of the things I did like is. One scene where we see him uh, get shot, and it's the shadow of him getting shot. It's not the actual like shooting, yeah. um, et cetera. And I appreciate well, that kind of stuff. But this character, so what, why did you like him? Come on, you got to because you gotta because I like what he was going for, regardless if it's cliche or not. What I would have wanted is for them to give him more chance of like 
because I saw what there was the I I, I you know just stroking my ego. <laughs> I saw what they were going for with that character, and I I see what they were trying to do, and I I was liking what they were going for. So they were going what for they're this. going for, that's good writing. That's not good acting. Okay, that's fair. So he sucked. And he had opportunities, even though he's only... And this is what this is what I'm laughing. I'm laughing well, because I don't know. I don't know what the directors are doing. But I almost felt like they were like, God, they, this guy sucks. We're already in production. we got to get rid of him. Let's just kill him off. But, like, he had opportunities. He wasn't always, like, in an extreme situation. He had... He had extreme situations were taking that were happening he had moments where he was interacting with uh cagney and had to represent himself he was on the phone and, and every single delivery was exactly the same i'm a mobster and i'm gonna talk like this and i'm gonna raise my voice i thought he was horrible so that to me that was like bad acting but he had the opportunity to do you know to be nuanced like cagney or for sure um edward woods playing Matt Doyle, you know, he showed moments where, like, he disagreed with Cagney. Right. He was talking about the women. Yeah. He wasn't this generic kind of, I, I hate to keep saying it, but cliched uh, mobster type, and I thought that dude was. I think <laughs> instead of killing him off off screen, they should have given him more chances because there's one little snippet that, that I like when, they, he, when he first comes in, when he's first introduced... And they're having a little meeting with Patty, uh, Matt, Tom, Peter. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Matt Doyle, uh, played by Edward Woods, yeah. and Tom Powers. Tom, 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 Matt, Patty, and um, like this brewery owner are having a meeting. And uh, sidebar, we should establish at this point, it's 1920. We've had another time jump. So Prohibition has just now come into action. Uh, they they show a sh- establishing shot of all of these like <laughs> it was actually kind of funny though these hectic just like people running in and out of stores just like grabbing all the yeah. alcohol they can get it was cool and again it goes back to like I loved like I had already stated the shit about beer and beer and buckets and pubs and um, brewery and how they stack the barrels yeah they, they stack yeah, the yeah, barrels yeah. all the way up not quite pyramid but stacked in a way but then prohibition comes and. You had signs that said, "Liquor has to go." Tomorrow, tomorrow, nothing. And people came, and they had buggies, baby carriages, baby full carriages, liquor. buggies. Yeah, yeah everything. There's a everything. guy handing the girl uh, like a richer, richer woman, and she drops it. He hands it to her, and she drops it in the street, and so she's screwed with her extra liquor. Yeah. There are people with wheelbarrows. It was yeah. hectic, but they did a good job um, of showing what prohibition must have been like. And I, right. I, that, that, I thought that was actually a cool moment because I was... Sure. You, you think of prohibition, and we kind of glorify it, you know, and we have this... We're looking back from the future, obviously, and we don't, you don't actually think of the very last day when alcohol was no more, and, and they chose to show that, which I thought was cool. Well, I don't really drink in the first place, so I think I would have been fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so um, so we've established that prohibition has come into, like, into law. So uh, at this meeting, Patty establishes, establishes now that Tom and Matt are getting into the uh, brewery business. Basically, what that means is like, you know, illegal, like smuggling of the alcohols. Primarily beer. I mean, that was like the big one was beer. And um, they're having this meeting with uh, the brewery owner uh, that they're making uh, some kind of uh, like a, a deal with. And then that's the first scene that we get introduced to uh, Nails Nathan. He immediately like strikes you as like this kind of like, I don't want to say sleazy, but like this 
So he's supposed to be like this coming off as very like, you know, groomed and like, oh yeah, even though I'm a mobster, I'm gonna be like, yes, you know, I'm like, like I slick, slick and like all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, like the brewery owner asks a question and he has this like little like explosion of anger all of a sudden. And I was like, I see what they're going for, for going for the whole facade, like when he's with other people, but really he's kind of like, um, not demented, but he's loose cannon. he's a loose cannon. Yeah, yeah he, he can. Uh, Again, I think they killed him off because he sucked. <laughs> Fair enough, could be. It, I I don't know. I don't know. Keep I would I would have liked to see more scenes of that though. I think if he had so more scenes of that, but when you can't even it you can't have... even show a nuanced difference when you're on the phone telling the fellas like where you are and what's happening next and what we got to do, and he's like screaming in the phone the same way he does. I, I just. Okay, yeah, that's good. But, okay. Okay, okay. Now, I don't know who... I mean, I we don't know whose decision it was. It could have been, yeah, he was a crappy actor, so they got rid of him. Or maybe they were just like, shit, we don't have enough time to add more scenes yeah. of him being that's that's nuanced. So, it is what it is. Um, Ray liked him, for the I record. I liked him. I thought, it was like, okay, yeah. Um, his, <laughs> his death, though... He, he Matt comes into a room with, where Tom is, and he's just like, "Nils Nathan died." And he's like, "What? Who killed him?" He's like, "No one. A horse." <laughs> so he had been like riding his horse um, at a country club or whatever he goes to, and it had uh, knocked him off and kicked him in the head, and so he died. I felt like there's more to this story too. Like that that was like you know maybe someone had killed him and set it up, but but. Anyway, they don't explain Dude, it in the story. If um, we would have got another, maybe, if this movie was another hour longer. It didn't, even, two, it didn't have to be an hour longer. Another half it, an hour would have been cool. They would have had time if they to flesh out. filled in, fleshed out sure. some storylines and characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Would have been awesome. Because I definitely got more of a um, lighter tone from this movie. Even though you said there are dark moments, there's also like... Kind of comedic well, moments in it as well. Yeah, no, there are. And um, but yeah, so uh, to finish the thing with Nails Nathan is he he gets knocked off his horse. The horse kicks him. He dies. And so Tom and Matt go to the country club stable where the horse is. They ask the uh, the stable hand which which stable the the horse is in, and they go and shoot the horse. Yeah, which they, I thought was which they fucking hilarious. Again, they don't show the killing. They, they, they don't show it. Hear the they it's funny. In another way, it's establishing that okay, we see this. We saw him as a boy. We saw him struggling in the streets. We saw him trying to make his way and make money for his ma. And then we see him, you know, graduating to bigger heist, getting fooled, right? By, taking advantage right. of by the um, putty for quite a few times, and now. Now we see this hardened dude. This is the part where, you know... Well, it establishes that he's become more... He becomes more and more comfortable with killing. Yeah, for sure. Well, they're establishing that he's able to... quite a loose cannon, but at the same time, he's hardcore. Like, he's like, what? He killed Nails Nathan? We're going to fucking do this horse in and and it (laughs) kills him. (laughs) Which is funny because you actually never see Matt kill anybody. Right. He he's That's where kind of there's a... You don't see Matt, but you see Kent. Well, Kane he's the protagonist, and so, so I'm just right, right. Focused, but yeah, but I, I was gonna say in terms of their character relationships, you see that's in parts where Matt kind of him, he himself is not ready for it, 
but also it, and disagrees with. Uh, I don't know if he's not ready for it, but so often Cagney, I'm sorry, I'm saying Cagney, but Tom Powers, the character Tom Powers, is so authoritative that he just does it. And right. The, and this is interesting. This is an interesting part of him as a mobster, that he takes care of most of what needs to take care of. And Edward is his right-hand man, but he's, like, so forceful. He's also forceful with his fist well, and very capable with his fist. Right. And that was another part, and this is another reason I love Cagney, is in his fighting scenes, you can tell this dude has fought. Like, it's not the typical setup. Oh, here I am, and I, I take this wide-sweeping turn with my right and clock you. He'll come up from the chin, you know. He'll use the side of his fist a lot yeah. of times to to bop him. Um, and then there's also the, the the separate threat. But it's cool, getting back to what we're talking about here, that he takes command and he's like immediately. If someone has to be killed, he's gonna kill him. Right. He's gonna do him in. Right. Well, I, I have two thoughts now. Actually, I want to go back to what you were just saying about the the Cagney fighting. Not 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 the actual. Not not himself as like. An actor in real life, but the character. Yeah. How uh, Tom punches of people a few times, but that he himself gets punched by his older brother, and you never see him hit him back, or he's never able to strike him first. His uh, right. his older brother always gets yeah gets Tom, one on him. James. So you can and, see but, kind of. But he also holds back because he has the opportunity to punch him back, and he doesn't. True. That's so true. that's part. That then that's another part of the human character part where yeah. i'm like screw your stupid disclaimer in the beginning and also saying that this isn't a human being he, he is a human being and cagney's so good that i don't know if he slipped that shit in there where it was part of you know the writing but it still shows the the human element of him that he like he completely disagrees with his brother he thinks his brother is full of it and kind of like not necessarily a goody two shoes but isn't being realistic about what he was left with and what mm -hmm. he had to do to kind of support mm -hmm. the family. So, but yet he still holds back on his brother right. and is like willing to, to bop these other dudes. Yeah. For Patty now, Patty definitely takes takes care of him. It's he's completely he's not the opposite, but he's a different character than Putty was. And that was a cool nuance, I thought, a cool uh, difference in the film. And then to, to go back to showing that he's a cold, hardened criminal his relationship with the girls. But, but there's also... Right. So he also right. has Patty's girlfriend hits on him and he refuses her. And that's another instance where we show loyalty and like oh, a, that's a different a, kind of character. Yeah, 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 yeah. But his own girlfriend, he's a, he's a jerk towards. He's a total jerk. Right, because he's, he's, like, he's getting like bored of her. Uh, yeah. He has one too. And then, which by the way, it, I mean, she's another character that completely just like... Yeah, to kind of they, they just take her off screen sure. and she just disappears. Yeah, but then and she was very capable, good actress. Yeah, for sure. I, no, I mean you could see it wasn't getting to the level of like uh, domestic abuse with them, but I would have loved to see more um, more of their interactions of this kind of. Um, she's trying to to make him happy. He's clearly not into it. And that was and Kitty. I, so his girlfriend was Kitty, who right, was played by right. Mae Clark. I thought she was just, beautiful and and really and talented. And yeah. she showed she wasn't cliched with her no. interactions with him. She would show when she was disappointed. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. I just no, that's good, man. Oh. Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say I would have liked more scenes, kind of leading up to an explosion of like 
he's had enough. And, yeah. uh, well, you know, I also like this. I appreciated that there's a conversation with him and his right-hand man, and Tom, and Tom Matt, and Matt, Matt yeah. Doyle, and he says... Yeah, these dames are boring me, and um, he's like, you know, speak for yourself. And and Matt's Matt's like, you know, I like my girl, and I'm not like, right. I'm not gonna ditch her or whatever. And he's like, well, I'm I'm sick of her, I'm ditching her. So you know, not a thread that's completely lost like some of these other things. You know, the death of Nathan and, yeah. and these characters <laughs> disappearing, but she does disappear. But he he, I love that scene where he breaks up with her. Well, he doesn't um, really break up with her. That's like yeah, that's that, true. But that's that morning before the car ride that he decides he is gonna break up with her right. when he's and with he, Matt. He starts hitting on Jean Harlow, who's uh, just a kind of a woman walking down the street. Another lost thread. Literally, that's Another, all she was there for. Right. Oh my! Exactly. I was like, oh my it god! Was a total stock character. What was the purpose because of this? She complete. Well, they did try to explain. He gets a little irritated because he's like, because she's like, I'm going out of town, baby. And so she has a whole other life outside of this city. Right. And it bugs him. And he has a difficult time dealing with it. But yet they're, they're still together. Well, no. The, so first off. But it, again, it's not. This is not a tight story. It is not. Not at all. I mean, they never even fucking established. What I, I was like, is she playing an actress in the movie? Is she like a starlet? Like, what the hell? I think. I, this is what I was think. She? I think there were a lot of threads that they had intended yeah. To follow all the way through, like here's a here's a dame that takes control and he respects, and then whatever the hell happens with them happens. Right. But they don't show it. Yeah. So I think they, you know, a lot of this stuff got lost on the editing, you know, cut on the cutting room floor. But they made that decision for whatever reason, and it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters because James Cagney's performance is so unique. The time and hadn't been seen. No, no one had had. I mean, that's fair, but like you still have to be like. No, I. I, I want to feel like you know I'm a story guy, but I've I've yeah, like, I, I love James Cagney, and like I said, he changed acting with his with his abilities, the way he nuanced, the way he acted, the way he delivered his lines, his facial expressions, how he delivered the lines. This was never, or it wasn't done the way that he had done it. So it's, you can't take your eyes off of him. I could, I could never take my eyes off of Edward Woods either. I was surprised that he didn't have like a, like a longer career. Oh um, my, oh, you guys say career? I was going to say role in the movie. <laughs> Fuck Yeah, th- well, yeah, that's true. That's fair enough, for sure. I mean, this, if you're, don't watch this film for a tight story. It's not no. there. But. Watch this for some incredible performances. Watch it for the first time, you know, that James Cagney really gets to, like, take over. That's and, fair. And this That's guy. fair. And, and, and while Blaze is here stroking James Cagney's performance here. <laughs> no, it's cool. But no, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I respect that. But it was just... That's another thing for me. It was like when, when Matt... It's 19... It's a movie from 1931. Anyway... anyway Matt dies. They eventually get like, not set up, but they get ambushed by these like the, yeah, the the opposition. In I don't of- mean to cut you off, yeah. but before we do that, we have to talk about uh, not. We don't have to, but that scene where he does tell his girl he's sick of her, and he takes a grapefruit and smashes it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was cool as fuck. <laughs> um, it is a kind of a famous. Part there's all these arguments of who did it. If it was the writer, if it was Cagney. Cagney and uh, May Clark had decided 
that they were just going to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. My bet is for sure it's it's Cagney it's, picking uh, that up and doing it, but it, it's we've never seen something like that until that moment where he grabs and the character was supposed to. So Cagney did do this. So I guarantee that this was Cagney. It wasn't a fucking writer taking the credit for it. Um, and I'm a writer myself, so blah blah blah. But the the uh, it was partially based on a real mobster who would take omelets and throw them at people. And Cagney's like, I'm not throwing an omelet at somebody that does, you know, it's not gonna come off as humorous or it'll be too humorous or it's not gonna be fitting of the character. It's not gonna be badass. He's like, I'm not doing that. So he he definitely put his foot down on that or suggested, and then they had the grapefruit, yeah. and then he, he like smashed it in our face. It was I thought it was cool as hell. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It it definitely seems like it could have been improvised by him. Yes, I'm not gonna tell. Thank it. you. And if it was, um, what was what was her actual uh, Megan Clark? Meg Clark. Meg Clark. I mean, she she did a great job at responding to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's why there's one tale that they had planned it. Yeah. And I just yeah, maybe, because yeah, if they planned it, then they, she would have laughed or she would have done something. Like her re, her uh, reaction is phenomenal. It's like yeah. she's disappointed and upset and like whatever. But mm-hmm. good. Uh, well, anyway, eventually they um, after the death of Nails Nathan, who was kind of like his gang was basically the bodyguards. Uh, for Patty and, and Tom yeah, and, and a big and Matt. part of the muscle, big big part of the muscle. And after his death, his goons kind of like scatter because uh, their lo- loyalty clearly was to to him, not Patty. And then basically, when that happens, their opposition starts basically breaking them down. Like uh, there's a scene where they drive by and they throw bombs in Patty's pub, and uh, so which is a cool scene. But it's also not well, I, I, I don't want to keep saying established, but it's not, at first I was like, I didn't know if that was Tom Powers and, and Matt that did it. Oh, you know I mean, yeah, I figured it out yeah, quickly yeah. after, but they, I didn't think they did a great job of showing that, um, well, they didn't do a great job of Nails Nathan and establishing that he was the muscle and had all this muscle. And then they didn't do a great job of showing that the other, the opposition was starting to take over. It was really quick and, and easily. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did that yeah. drive-by bombing. And right. I was like, and then that holy was shit. Are we, are we, There's your proof. That we're it, already escalated to drive-by bombing? What the fuck? Like, yeah. we should have had, like, a few more other, like, instances of, like, sure. kind of, like, the war gearing up. Because it was, like, it was done in a newspaper article. They, they showed just, like, a snippet of newspaper articles. Like, oh, Nathan is dead. And, like, his goons have scattered or something. And the opposition is taking over. It's like a turf war. Yeah. But eventually, they uh, uh, Patty comes up with a plan to like kind of regroup all the scattered uh, people from yeah. from Nails's uh, group, and so he he puts them all uh, in an apartment with his girl uh, to kind of lay, lay low, and for a second that was actually pretty good. They got me. Uh, I thought he was gonna pull do a big twist yeah. and pull a putty nose. Yep. Because he collects their guns and all of their money. And I thought he was going to double-cross them. I did, too. And it's actually pretty cool that he didn't. He he was actually genuinely trying to look out for them. And so he leaves, and we see that he was, like, tailed and followed by one of the uh, oppositions, and he phones his boss, whatever. I forgot the guy's name. 
so they set up a trap for him by having, that was funny, like, they have a cold truck pull up to like the sidewalk of like the apartment and but they just like dump coal. Which, but that's from that era. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. I know, history. I know. I just find it hilarious. It's oh, like okay. a random dump. Like I'm like, that's how they did it? Okay. Uh, I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was fitting. That's not humorous. It's like, that's what happened. I found it happened. funny. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, going, that is what happened. I'm not explain disputing, why. I'm not disputing that it happened. I'm just, I just found it funny. Uh, but the reason that they're... But having, I don't know why that would be funny. Because like, like, you just like look down. It's like a sidewalk of people and like a random coal truck just dumping coal. Like where's it going? Like it's going down in the basement. They they no. They had a shoot, so you didn't see this. So you so this is like part of kind of history that okay oh, never right, got filled right. in. But a shoot. So I actually got one on this house, as a matter of fact. So my house has an old coal um, door on the on the front porch. Yeah, and there's this is this is kind of cool. In the basement, I'll take you down there and show you. There's marks of. So shoot, what truck comes up? Right, right. Sticks its shoot on your coal yeah, bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like slide the door out, and then they just fill like right. a room full okay. of coal. Okay. And in my basement, yeah. there's coal marks on the on the walls, and I'll show you cool. the, where the bin is. So that I don't think that was supposed to be humorous by any means. It's just like another no, part of I, the nineteen I, I just I personally it. found it. I got you. I'm funny. Just, like, I was just like letting the audience yeah, know that. Does. I mean, but explain why. Right, right, right. So it's important because of all the noise that it's making. Cold being dumped out of a truck onto a metal chute that's going pop, 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 to to exactly to emulate gunfire. Absolutely, Uh, because they're being set up from like the opposite like building. They're setting up like these Gatling guns. So the opposition is in the building across the street and like the second or third story. Yep, with the Gat guns, and they're setting up a hit on Tom and Matt and the gang that Patty left in his apartment. Yeah, so that actually brings us to the moment where you said that that night, they all just, you know, they just, they have nothing to do, so they kind of just start drinking. They have the moment where Patty's... Patty's girl. ...girl uh, takes advantage of a drunk Tom. But she doesn't. She tries to. It never happens. Wait, no, yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Nope, it doesn't. Dude, yeah, nope. it does. She says, just because she says that something happened, he he says nothing happened. Like, I know... I know. There's no way. No. Yeah. No, no, no absolutely. No, 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 watch no. the film. Seriously, I'm not no, I'm not kidding. No, 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 no. Yes. Are we gonna have to rewatch that scene? We can okay. rewatch it. The scene ends with her going walking back towards him and they're doing a close up on the on the night drawer or something. And that's how okay. the scene ends. Perhaps I missed it, but And then she comes back No, they she told, tries she told to say it. it, but but I thought he threw her away. We'll look at we'll look at no, it. No, no, anyway, no. here's what is ridiculous. So the cold truck comes, and you hear all that, and it startles them, and they think it's gunshot, and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Then the cold truck comes Twice. the day later, yeah. which not going to happen. Like, yeah. once you get your sheet full, your room full of coal, you don't need the cold truck to show up the next day. And then he exits. Tom is like... So, yeah, he has a little... Uh, well, let's assume... He slept. She took advantage of him, and like he slept with her, and whatever. He got mad about that because he actually res- uh, respects Patty. So he, out of anger, he walks out, and Matt follows him, uh, just trying to stop him or you know, talk, cool him down. Yeah. As they start walking, then the the dudes with the Gatlin gun from across the street fire on them, fire. which I again I think was totally unrealistic. They would have both been dead. 
There's no way he did not. But logistics, okay, whatever. I got gotcha. you. Story. I can accept it, but I understand what you're saying. I, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But Matt gets shot, unfortunately, and it's so. Maybe they were going for it to be like kind of dreary because like he doesn't say anything. He kind of like points to uh, Tom to run away or something. Yeah, and he just yeah, kind of like that, dies. That was, that was cool because he's like, "Get out of here!" Like, yeah, he barely waves his hand. Again, great, great acting. Like, you know, somebody else would have milked that for all it's worth. Like, uh, 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 you go, you go, yeah. uh, point. But he just like, he's on the ground and he does just enough gesture to like get. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it worked. But go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying. So either, we don't have to sum up every single fucking part, but <laughs> what, what happens after this then? Then Cagney, um, I'm sorry, Tom Powers is upset about it, but takes off. And then yeah, so he takes off and goes to a gun sh- uh, gun shop where you have that, le- that. That's actually a very comedic moment. It's a serious moment, but it's comedic because now we see um, he's all angry, he's all fired up, and uh, he goes to a gun sh- gun store and he asks this the gun owner to show him a specific gun and like how to how to load it, yeah, unquote, yeah, as if he doesn't know how. And um, basically, he turns it around on him and, and takes the gun. Takes the gun. But a, but I in that scene, I like that scene again. Cagney is believable as a guy that's affluent. You know he's he's made his money right now. We didn't necessarily do a great job of, of explaining, but you know working with Patty now and and using prohibition. They're smuggling beer, yeah, smuggling beer. All that they stuff. have worked their way up the yeah. ladder. They're well to do. They got really good clothes. So he goes in there and he plays a great um, affluent dude that's just like a respectable citizen. Um, and then he turns around and, and, you know, after he gets the gun, he acts like a yeah. badass and yeah. he goes, jumps right into his kind of mobster role. Again, I thought good acting and, um, James <laughs> Cagney again for his greatness, but it really is like, if you watch film from that, so if you watch a lot more film from the thirties and a lot more of these mobster films, you're going to see that this guy is way ahead, stands out a part of all these other you know, kind of actors that emulate him basically or try to emulate him and they're just not as good as he is. But I thought that was another cool scene. There's so many really good scenes. I wish they would have had more with his brother, to be honest. Yeah, and I thought his brother wasn't he wasn't the tier of actor as these other as these other cats. Did you think he was as good as uh no, yeah, not really. I, right. I think he was just one again, just like he did. I mean, he did his job. That that yeah, he did, he his, did part. his job, but it wasn't anything um, spectacular. I did like it at the, at the table. He comes back from the war. And Tom comes over with this barrel of beer, and uh, that was cool too. That was another thing where where we've lost. So they take a pail, a bucket, they turn it upside down, and then they take the barrel, and it fits right over the bucket. And this big barrel of beer sitting on the family dinner yeah, table, yeah. and the brother is staring around it, and he, that was it was a really cool scene. Like I thought his brother showed like his anger and frustration. Yeah, he sit, he's got to sit at this table, and you know why his brother is like you know the guy, and his mother is happy that he's there. Well, what what what, what happens is uh, the the scene right before this dinner table scene, he's. Uh, they're sitting in like the, the living room, and their friend, some dude, another cop guy, <laughs> is just sitting there, uh, and he basically tells Mike what Tom's been up to, 
and reveals to him that he's like working with Patty and they're like smuggling beer and that's how he's making his money. And so that's why now Mike puts it kind of all together. And he's an uh, obstinate and a killer. Right, exactly. And gains this re- resentment. But he has this like great moment because he has PTSD uh, from the war. I wish I would have played more on that because he like by the end is like over it. I know. It's like, I was like, what? Yeah, Excuse and he's got an injury. Me? He's got an injury. He's like, even like he walks for Yeah, yeah. But then that's gone by the end. Yeah, but, but, but actually, no, but then you see a snippet of it again, maybe at the very last scene when he's walking towards the camera. Did you did you notice that? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I didn't know sure. if they were like, oh, he's like, not only did he lose his brother, but now right. he's like, flashes to the war or something He's, maybe 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 who knows uh but yeah but but mike knows where this beer is from and how they got it so that's why he's now resentful of it so yeah he has a i i like that scene i liked his kind of explosion uh, yeah confronting like, tom about it yeah um he says like this is filled with beer and blood and you kind of get to see like oh he's like this like you know soldier that's just come back from war and he found finds out that his brother is like killing people here. Right. And that not that he necessarily, I mean, Tom stands up and says like, what are you talking about? You did some killing overseas. You weren't just holding hands with them Germans. Yeah. What's like, the and you probably thing? enjoyed it. Yeah. But you can see that Mike, like he clearly did it. I mean, he wouldn't be the way he is if he did. Um, yeah. 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 So that's why he was just like, uh, kind of had that explosion at the table and, Right. I like that. I like that, and I I, I like the writing of it, but I I didn't. That actor didn't. I, I don't know. I just didn't. again, I I would. That's why I would have liked to see more. Yeah, that's what I like to. I would have liked to see. But more, you gotta but... nail every scene. You're 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 defending these other actors, which well, I think is hilarious. I want This is what I want to do. I want to. I want you to go back and watch it, or we'll watch it together, and see if you think that that's like good acting, or if it's like whatever substandard and you know i'm being hypercritical but i that's part of this like i don't want to sit here and just review every fucking movie or like do the plot line from beginning to end which which is fine i want to you know i want to say you know hey this is great because of this or that's you know this that's stupid or this is foolish or, or whatever and that, that's basically what we're doing i'm just i'm just being critical and uh i as time goes on, I wonder how how we're gonna argue. That, like we're, we're <laughs> like I want you to what the you fuck defend place? your point. Like do not like back down just because I'm saying that's bullshit or whatever. But no, it doesn't matter. So, I it's I, all good. I I didn't love the actor. I liked it. Um, I thought sometimes again, he nailed it, and sometimes it was like eh. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of which, the the girl that played Gwen, the kind of just stock character that they yeah, introduced, Jean Harlow, that we didn't know what who the fuck she was, why she was there, and then she's leaving all of a sudden. Yeah, there's that moment in that scene where we kind of find out like a different side of Tom when he's with her, but then we also find out that she's also like this different person, and she, we I think we establish that she likes having control. Of the man that she's with. Yes. And so when he leaves... And they kind of have a conversation. They ha- Not kind of. They have a conversation they have a, about okay. that. Yeah, exactly. But so, That's cool. So but it, again, it goes, goes back To, it goes to my point. Every single fucking scene that Cagney is in, he nails it. 
And these other actors, some of them are stock characters or stockish, partly because they don't have the ability that he has. He commands what's taking place. I, and you don't have to agree with me. Like, I, I don't know if when you looked at this, if you were fascinated. So I remember watching as a kid, Killers with Angel Faces. And that film, you know, I must have been, I probably shouldn't have been watching this film about this dude, but it's another James Cagney film. And he's uh, he's playing, a, a again, a, a mobster that's like, he's kind of the putty character. He's sleazy, sleazy, taking advantage, and he's just a badass. And he just, ne- and it's different than this character because there's nuances in, it. in that character. He's just like, fuck it. I am a stone killer, whatever. And there's a priest that keeps trying to, so he's go basically the story, he's going to the death, the, the gas chamber, and the priest tries to convince him, look, you're, you, you have, it's kind of the, what the other film tried to do with their stupid disclaimers. This film is kind of about that. The priest is trying to convince him, all these boys look up to you, and if you don't, show the fear and how horrible it is to die you know after this kind of life they're all gonna just you know immortalize you and they're gonna continue on the same path that you did so the priest is trying to convince him and i was like i had to be like five or six i mean i was a young a wee young lad um i used to this is kind of cool my mom and i used to watch old movies we would watch uh this is going to sound funny, but we watched, for some reason, Shirley Temple movies yeah. and Charlie That's Chan awesome. and uh, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, right we, watched just, okay. we just watched all kinds of old movies. Yeah. And, um, Shirley Temple, by the way, is a hell of an actress. God, that what that kid, what she did as a kid. But anyway, my mom and I were well, watching. Well, so I she was did fascinated that, with, with film. You know, and part of this was my mom's like love of film, too. And so we watched it. So I watched, but I watched that on my own, and I was horrified by like the you know this dude's going to the death chamber. What's he gonna do? And the tension and the mounting and all that stuff. Um, I kind of forget what my point to this whole thing is, but it's James Cagney playing a mobster, but a completely different kind of mobster than what you see um, in this film. In this film, we see a guy that slowly makes makes his way up. He's hardened. He shows his hardcoreness, like shooting the horse, uh, putting the grapefruit in the chick's face. Um, how he takes control of any given situation. But he always he also shows that he's human, even though they say he's not human. Um, by not punching his brother, by how he comes back to his mom all the time, and that moment where he's with May. Uh, I want to say May West, but Jean Harlow, Gwen, where she's like. You know, part of the reason you respect me is because I'm similar to you. Like, I, I'm a woman that takes charge. Mm-hmm. And even though they didn't do a great job of her role, his acting in that moment and what he's supposed to do and portray, he nails. He nails it in every single scene. And part of it is fucking 11 years as as a vaudevillian, um, you know, actor and all of his stage time. So he already had all that experience. But he out acted i thought everybody only person that like held up that was even close to him was uh robert emmett o'connor as, as patty uh, both by his delirious lines that they he didn't always face the camera so just, 
there was one thing that. I th- but were you? Threw but, me off. What I want to get by, and then you go back to that is, were you as enthralled as I was by this actor? Do you agree or disagree that he is so far above all of these other actors in this film? Yes, but at the same time, well, no, the, because of that, I just wish like there would be longer scenes. Well, for that, him to be to continue to do it, I don't know. I, yeah, but but maybe that's, that's because but I was it, enticed but by the it. Fucking film is what the film is. We can't go back and change the film. I'm just asking you about the I'm about just the character. Saying. I know you are. It's it's a choppy, horrible like oh, yeah. put together storyline. Um, but there's enough, and that's what I'm saying. Is Cagney carries this? He carries the whole film. Like yes, he it's does. worth seeing. To watch yeah. this dude he does. He does. do his I agree. thing. He does. But no, what, what I was going to say about Jean Harlow, or I think that's that's her name. When they first introduce her, she says she's from Texas. And she's kind of talking with a southern accent. And that <laughs> completely bad. goes out the fucking window it's like bad. 10 seconds really later. Bad. She's back to a New York accent. I was just like, eee. I was like, what were we doing there? Plus, you but, know, uh, that's a time. I just... I didn't think she was like a beauty. I didn't think she was. I thought the other one was prettier. I was like, oh, May Clark, whoo, totally yeah. gorgeous and 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 beautiful in her like natural beauty. And they showed her, you know, she wasn't all made up and dolled up, but she was just beautiful and way prettier than Jean uh, Harlow was. Jean mm-hmm. um, Harlow looked like a streetwalker, <laughs> you know. Didn't you think in that first scene when she's walking on the street and he pulls up? Um, so many great, so many great moments and scenes. The the boys were great in the portrayal of, you know, when I said it, it was kind of like Oliver Twist ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but uh, James Cagney, when they're driving down the street and he sees her and he's like and they slow the car down and both he and uh matt matt edward woods they're both interested in this woman and they're both trying to hit on her and and uh james Cagney as tom powers is like keeps you know kind of joking but still also hey i'm you know this is my dame you you, you take the back seat um which was kind of i thought was cool but the the scenes with patty Every scene he's in. Hey, what yeah. else? What else we want to say about this? I mean, I know we we like they were like we kind of broke it apart a lot, um, but no, I I enjoyed it. I didn't think I was gonna enjoy a movie from the nineteen thirties, especially um, what I thought was gonna be a generic mobster movie. So um, I actually enjoyed this. Uh, it was a surprise to me, and I, again, I guess it's a testament to uh, Cag- not only Cagney's like capability to, to hold up the whole thing as a lead, but uh, to everyone else as well. Even though there were some actors that were just kind of either going through the motion or just did well enough, and some of them just they got rid of. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. Honestly, I, I guess it was such a big difference from movie making today. That I think that was part of it that I had to make an adjustment to. Yeah, for and sure. I think that's why I had so many of these like issues. It's like, well, why couldn't they just do this? Or it's like we got to think. It's like, yeah, it's nineteen thirties. Filmmaking was like the simplest it can be, but they still did a lot. I think they 
Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, definitely have... better story, uh, tighter stories filmed in the 30s, and definitely yeah. better job of, you know, making a tight story and better edited. I mean, and I'm not accusing the editors of not being able to do their job, but that they shot enough. So I don't know if it's right. a director issue or whatever, or a combination of the writing and the. Um, but. He came on the scene. He influenced everyone. It's it's kind of similar to um, what's his name in On the Waterfront. Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. This film, James Cagney, comes onto the scene and does for acting. Film, um, definitely a, a type of um, genre, mobsters, etc. But not just mobsters. Influence acting. The same way that when Brando came on the scene with Waterfront, changed the, the the course of acting, how people acted, you know, brought more realism to it. Um, right. And are clear. What do you say? Higher. They they stand off. They stand off and stand above. Mm-hmm. You know what's happening. And I, th- if we keep doing this, depending on how long we do this, anyway. James Cagney comes on the scene, smashes it, and then you got to see him in, I think, Ray, you should watch, uh, for sure, Angels with Dirty Faces is one of my favorites, and um, Yankee Doodle Dandy, <laughs> He's he dances in that, and um, I shouldn't say I'm not a big fan of dancing film, if they're fucking great, they're fucking great, mm-hmm. he's just singing in the rain is incredible, uh, Gene Kelly, oh yeah, but yeah, yeah, he's, he's, you know, again, vaudeville. This dude fucking nails it. It, it, it it's a beauty to watch that uh, Yankee Doodle Danny. It really is. I mean, some of the songs are kind of corny, but his delivery is phenomenal. Um, his ability to dance and how he dances—you just like you can't you can't take your eyes off of him. And Angels with Dirty Faces is different than Public Enemy. And shows even a fiercer, a darker side um, at times. Mm-hmm. And then also that this character is willing... What he's willing to do in the end of the film. Yeah. And you see him all throughout. It's it's fucking great. But his... That's... that's, that's, that's I, I feel like that's missing nowadays, man. I feel like so many... I don't know. Like, not too many actors do this nowadays. Or... Not the actors themselves. It's just that the actors are not presented with a lot of opportunity to like stretch. We were talking about this with Leonardo. Yeah. To well, stretch their range because we're in this phase right now of movie making where it's all the same kind of cookie cutter stuff. And you have these actors that sign on for roles that last like 10 fucking years. You play. I get it. I mean, you could have nuances with this character, but you're playing this one role for 10 years. And yeah. like, can we go back to like, seeing like these because there's capable very capable actors today that I would love to see in different roles and watch them like tackle different things I'm like can we stop with these like franchises that you constantly have to sign on for like well this is another reason why I love James Cagney and if you listen to interviews with him or you kind of do that back end whatever you want to call it research or just watching you would love this fucker because he is humble he comes from um, an Irish background himself. Um, they were poor. He he 
started boxing just to try to feed his family and uh, wound up going into acting because it was a it was a job um, mm-hmm. and that was uh, play in the plays first in in, in uh, vaudeville right right but right. listen to him what he says about acting he he's criti- he's highly critical of actors that don't do their job he's like show up and and do the job do the lines but he also stood up he took on the movie industry because they tried to uh, pull back on his contracts or force him into that kind of this is the only role and he refused to do uh some of that work and was like no i'm not going to do that he was he ran the actors guild so this is a guy that that changed film he was one of the first super what's the word for it uh super actors who had enough power to take on and mm-hmm. did because some of them didn't. Some of them probably had, not some probably some of them had the the same amount of star uh, power, star power that they yeah. could do it. He was one of the first that took him on and wouldn't allow himself to be pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about that a, a little bit. You should check it out in some of the interviews. Oh, that's awesome! I will. Yeah, but he. Um, but going back to that, it's. I think it's also actors' faults. Some actors, you can see, they seek out all these roles, and again. You have to have a certain amount of, I guess, power. Not I guess. You have to have a certain amount of power to force. I'm not going to do this same role. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to duplicate it over and over again. Well, to, I want to break out and I want to do this. To give you an example. So if, it goes both ways, I think. Right. I don't, no, I, don't I agree. I agree. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, as actors, yeah, if you have, if you think. I don't even think it should matter if you have the star power or not. You know, you should the, say to the, yourself, I don't want to be and I'm not saying like typecasted or pigeonholed in one necessarily to give you an example I, I mean I'm, I'm getting burnt out on superhero movies like I'm, I'm, I'm done I'm fucking it, done for sure I'll go back and watch the latest Superman uh, Superman Spider-Man that just came out because people were saying it was, was pretty good and I want to see how they kind of do, harken back to the other two actors Sounds, there's really like a well that was Batman that's but um, but again dude some of these actors that they have in this, like, um, in the DCEU and the, the Marvel Universe, there's some, like, great actors. It, it, it's just, like, this is their peak now, unfortunately. They're always... Because they've been in this fucking franchise for so long, people are always going to be like, oh, yeah. It's, like, Robert Downey Jr. is so... To me, is so fucking good. And he had some amazing films like before Iron Man, and he took off into the Marvel franchise. I'm with you, hundred percent. And now he's gonna be like, "Oh, you were Iron Man." I'm like, "No, dude." And even the Sherlock Holmes is affected by his Iron Man. Yeah, like he's this witty, yeah. cocky, whatever. Come on, sassy like, kind of. Yeah, yes, give yes. us something else. Yes, I'm like, and the stuff that he's put out since he left the Marvel universe has been kind of shit. Yeah. Well. And, Hopefully that he, I, I am with you. I hope he does something. Different. And there's like a lot of different actors that are, are still in their contracts or like either finishing yeah. up now or just like and but but like you've been in this now for like ten plus years, man. Like it sucks that they're gonna only be known for yeah. And Kang the Marvel fought, Universe. I'm like, no. fought to do different roles and did do yeah. different roles, and uh, he's he's a sh- uh, ship captain. Um, phenomenal in that role too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, fuck! Yeah, I didn't talk about. You know, you also have to watch James Cagney take on Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> He's in a couple of films with Humphrey Bogart, and it is fucking fascinating to watch him 
and Humphrey battling out as actors um, in these roles. And this is more, again, another reason I totally respect and love James Cagney is because, you know, Bogart gets his footing later on down the road. But when it's it's uh, him versus Cagney, you, you all watch and you tell me <laughs> Cagney kills it and, and is clearly the best actor, at least at the time when they're acting together. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about this. Cagney talks about kind of being pigeonholed or forced into, like, any kind of given role. Um, But one of the things that I love, and I keep trying to... I'm going to write about this. I'm going to get better at articulating it um, for when I'm directing in projects. And that is... Cagney talks about how... You as a fucking actor, you need. I'm gonna make you do this. I'm gonna make you watch his these interviews with him because he talks about he gives you gifts of how to act. But one of the things that I think we talked about it another time, and you and I have, have certainly talked about this, and that is, I've always said, when you act, it's not just you. So we've both acted, and we both. You know, I've directed and yeah. we've both been with actors that only think of it's not that they're being selfish necessarily some of them are but that they're just they're the only actor on the on the on the set they're the only one they're only concerned about delivering their lines and not the interaction with the mm. other characters but it goes way beyond a whole nother level is it's you and the other actor or actors and you have to you have to play with them you have to watch and listen fucking listen to what the other actor it's not just how they're delivering the lines but what they're doing like what physically what is happening right and then there's right. a third element and that is another actor and that is the actual moment taking place and Cagney talks about he calls it the truth yeah. he's like I was going to say you it, have it, to it's just true. it's the truth you yeah, just yeah. have to truthfully give your lines yeah. And um, I forget who the interviewer was, but he was like, what do you mean, you truthfully, like you're acting? And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. No, he's like, no, no, no. you're being truthful to that moment. Yeah. You're delivering the line, not like, oh, I'm an actor and this is my line and I must say this or how am I going to steal this scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is, I am truthfully interacting in the moment with this other person. And, and that's um, what... You can't always explain this to to certain people, but it's kind of telling them, "Hey, stop, and just look around the room. Just look around the room and feel the presence of the room." That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. I'm gonna. I'm trying to. I've done it before, um, and I've forgotten when when I've you know been in scenes and shots. I've forgotten to understand that the room is a presence and another just, actor yeah, yeah. in and of itself what they used to, what, what they i remember from from at nku is like be present just yeah be it's present. one of the things they, they taught Absolutely. us like, be present in the scene with your partner and you are you are telling that's why that's why i remember i forgot who it was that said it one of my professors but it was like that's why you don't call it. Yeah, you you don't call it acting. You you're telling somebody's truth. Right. The characters 
There's truth. so many lines said about, you know, fiction is a version of the truth or truer, right. truer than the truth. Right. So. But yeah, but it's, you have to be present and you have to feel, you have to feel the moment, which is, I guess, it's the same thing as being present. Um, but Kane, you know, yeah. Yeah. he That's would awesome. talk about that. Love that. Forget, yeah. He's, the dude is so, and he's so humble. He's such a humble dude. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. I think that's a good note to end yeah, on. Yeah, I think we're done. He was a fucking humble there. dude. I love it. Yep. I mean, I'll definitely check out those interviews and more of his Fuck, films. Yeah, and... you are. I'm going to make you check them out. <laughs> um, We're going to pick... I don't know if we'll do them on this, but we. I mean, we might as well. I just don't want to like, sure. cloud it with uh, you know classics. But... Um, we'll do noir because you know we're working on that. Right, and I, right, right. I want that, and we're definitely double indemnity is a must. And then uh, never sleeps. The city itself is a narrator, and mm. um, there's great acting in that. Maybe that's one that we should do, but it's definitely one that we'll look at for uh, what we're gonna do and awesome. how that might influence, influence. your, your yeah, narration. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Kill All right, we're at. I have to see if the Bearcats won. Um, oh, back to sports. Go Bengals go. next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, what am I supposed to who say? Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Because I don't want to always be the one that says that. Who am I? No, I say, I'm Ray Jorgov. I'm Blaze Weller. And together we're the Film, Film Dicks. Dicks. Night, y'all. Yeah, we, too bad we don't have a coal bin where you can drop coal to make that noise. But I'm going to show you those marks. Well, it's really fucking cool. It just shows your ignorance and how little history you know. How little history you know. Fool. Yeah.